Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. We are so glad you're here. A special welcome to those in the person, in the person, in the room, those in the person, those in the room, and those online. We are so glad that you decided to join us this morning. My name is Kristen Sirebright, and I am on staff here at Orchard, and I am part of the communications team and part of the teaching team, and I get to hang out with our young adults through BASIC, um, and I just love that I get to be on staff here at Orchard. Today, we are starting a new series titled My Family, My People. In Philippians 2.5, this is what Paul says. Paul says that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships with your family and with your people, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so today, we are talking specifically about vulnerability, and vulnerability is this. This is how we're defining it. Vulnerability, the intentional and courageous choice to share your whole self with others. Vulnerability is the intentional and courageous choice to share your whole self with others. And this is a little intimidating, right? This sounds risky, and this is hard. And some people see vulnerability as weakness, but what if it's actually one of the most courageous things that we can do? It's also not safe to be vulnerable with everybody. And so know that today we're talking about wise vulnerability, being safe and vulnerable with the right people. And so this morning, we are going to talk about how Jesus modeled for us that wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection. It's Jesus who shows us that wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection with God and our family and our people. And so the day that I was dreading was here. Okay, it was the day to buy a Christmas tree. And here's the backstory. In May of 2021, I bought a house. And this was fun and exciting and daunting and terrifying as a single 24-year-old adult. I needed my family and my people to help me with this house process. And so my immediate family, they helped me with the whole loan process and mortgage and tax stuff, you know. And they painted every single interior wall of my house gray. Thank you, mom and dad. And then... <laughs> My people helped out. These are the people, my friends and my coworkers and my friends as kids, who helped move all the furniture into my new house for my roommate and I. <clears throat> and you would think that uh, this is, what am I trying to say? Then it was time to buy a Christmas tree. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. It was time to buy a Christmas tree, so I'm all moved in, time to buy a Christmas tree. And you would think that this would be simple. That really, I just need to go pick one. I can go to any store, go pick a tree, any tree, load it up, bring it home, set it up, and voila, my Christmas tree is done. But it actually wasn't that simple. It wasn't that simple because I had always thought that I would buy my Christmas tree with my future husband. And I found myself really sad that that wasn't my reality. And if I'm most honest, I wasn't only sad about the tree, but I was also angry that it wasn't an option for me to experience the typical Christmas memories with a family of my own. And I felt like because I was single that I wasn't worthy of experiences like these. And I felt unseen and like I didn't belong. And to say this is vulnerable in itself, but one of my hopes this morning is that through my own vulnerability is that I can deepen my connections with my church family and actually model a little of what this looks like. Because as someone who isn't married, moments like these can feel really lonely. And not moments just surrounding the holidays, but everyday moments. 
Like, who am I going to hang out with this weekend? Or who am I going to go to church with? Many moments where I find myself asking, who are my people? And I bet this morning I'm not the only one in the room who feels lonely in moments like these. And I really, really didn't want to be alone when I went to go buy this Christmas tree. And so eventually, I chose to invite my friend Abby to come with me. And I remember being terrified to ask her. I mean, who would want to go Christmas tree shopping with her? She already did the whole Christmas tree thing with her husband. So why would she want to do it with me? But I sent this text anyway. This is the real text. November 15th, 2021, 11.24 a.m. Abby, any desire to go Christmas tree shopping with me? Ha ha. I want to look at Goodwill and Home Depot. The ha-has are always a fail-safe. Hey, I'm actually really, really serious, but also like I'm trying to be lighthearted and funny if you say no, but will you just please say yes? (gasps) Anyone relate? Yeah, we all send the (laughs) ha-has. But thankfully, Abby's response was, what about this weekend? Immediate relief. That weekend in aisle E1 at Home Depot, it felt like a magical moment. A moment that held the weight of a past dream with the present gift of a good friend. A moment of connection that I knew that God had orchestrated. And that night after my roommate and I had decorated said Christmas tree, I thought about how sending this text was risky. Sending this text was vulnerable. And it was vulnerable because I had made the intentional and courageous choice to share a part of myself with Abby that I hadn't shared with her before. And sending this text was risky because Abby could have said no, right? And as someone who is in constant fear of rejection, I knew that this was a possibility. But even being told no wouldn't have diminished the vulnerability that I had already offered her. But her saying yes deeply mattered to me. Because even though this sacred moment, this magical moment, isn't what I imagined it to be, It was a pathway for a strengthened, closer connection with my friend Abby. Wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection. It was kind of as if I had cracked the door open to my kitchen and I let Abby sit at my kitchen table. And this is the image that we are going to use this morning as we talk about vulnerability and connection. It's an image that my counselor and I developed together when I realized that I needed to do some work and shift my mindset on my relationships. And it's the floor plan of a metaphorical home. Okay, and in this home, there's only a foyer, living room, and kitchen. Don't ask questions. It's just the way it is. But in this foyer, that's where we have connections with, like, most people, general connections. The living room is where we experience close connections with 12 to 15 people. And the kitchen is where we experience the closest connections with only two to three people. But in each room, we have the opportunity to offer wise vulnerability, to make the intentional and courageous choice to share our whole selves. And that's why these rooms aren't just for anyone, but these rooms are designed for the experience of being seen and known and loved by our families and our people. Because friends, we are all designed for connection with others. We are all designed for the experience of being seen, known, and loved. Connection is actually in our neurobiology. There's lots of science about it. But also, all throughout scripture, it's clear that this is how God designed us. 
It's the way God wired us, wired our brains, our bodies, and our whole selves for connection. In the beginning, in Genesis 1, when God created the world, God created humanity to be with him in the Garden of Eden. God designed us to be close to him, to be fully seen, known, and loved by him. But we were also designed for connection with one another. And we read in Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And so from the very beginning, the first chapters in the Bible, the design was close connection with God and with one another. But then what was broken when sin entered the world? What was broken? Our connection, right? With God and with one another. But thankfully, our God is a God of restoration. Our God is a God of restoration, of connection, And friends, this is the story of Jesus. This is the story of Jesus coming to earth fully human and fully God for the purpose of actively restoring our connections. This is the story of Jesus, fully God, fully human, coming to earth to actively restore our connections with God and with one another. And Jesus did just that by drawing close to people and healing them and connecting them to his father and to each other. Jesus' entire life was about connection, right? And connection was evident during Jesus' last moments on earth as Jesus chose to share a meal with his 12 friends, as he chose to pray to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And listen to this. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again, what was one of the very first things he did? He chose to meet with his friends on the beach and have breakfast together. (laughs) This is the story of restoration, of connection for the entire world. And this is also the story of God's desire for a close connection with you. So that you may may experience being fully seen, fully known, and so loved. The God who wants a close connection with you It's this God who says, child, it's not about what you've done or where you've been. I know the grief that you have endured and the loneliness that you have felt. I understand you and I know you and I want every piece of you. And child, you often assume distance is the answer. But more than anything, I want connection. Connection that offers love and hope and healing and courage too. Connection that says, child, I love you because I love you because I love you because I love you. And this is what God is saying to you this morning. I love you because I love you because I love you because I love you. God is always at your kitchen table. You will always find God there because this is where God lives. And this is the closest connection that you will ever experience. And knowing and believing that God is the closest connection that you will ever experience. Church, this is what increases our confidence and our courage so that we can choose wise vulnerability as a pathway of connection with our family and our people. Our connection with God is what increases our courage and our confidence to have connections with those around us. Because our connections with our family and our friends and our people and our living room friends and our kitchen friends, they really matter. And so as someone who is not married and who doesn't have kids, 
It's easy for me to feel like my kitchen table is pretty empty, but God's there. That's nice. God's there, right? It feels pretty empty. And throughout college and throughout the last several years, I have noticed as many of my friends have gotten married and have had kids, lots of kids, and I love those kids, all of them, but it's easy from my perspective to look at their kitchen tables and say, those look pretty full without any room for me. But when Abby and I went Christmas shopping together, Christmas tree shopping, that day changed something for me. Sending that text was kind of like me cracking the door open to my kitchen, saying, Abby, I'd love for you to join me at my kitchen table, even just for a moment. Because if I don't choose vulnerable, vulnerability right now, I may never experience the connection with others that God designed me to experience. If you don't choose to be vulnerable or make the intentional and courageous choice to share pieces of yourself with others, you may never experience the connection with others that God designed you to experience. And so what does your kitchen table look like? When you think about these rooms, what comes to mind? Maybe for you, you, like me, feel pretty alone at this kitchen table. And even those of you who have lots of people in your foyer, in your living room, the kitchen table can be a pretty lonely place to be. Or maybe you're an introvert and you want all the alone time you can get, so you will happily keep all those doors locked. <laughs> maybe you are just in a season of being really, really, really thankful for the people that surround you. Or maybe you're grieving the people that once were sitting at your table that are no longer here because of death or sickness or separation or another really heartbreaking reason. Maybe you feel like you're in a season where these people are just constantly changing in your life. Or maybe you notice that you actually have some seats open at the kitchen in the living room table and you are actually really excited about inviting other people to join you. All of our kitchen tables and our living rooms look and feel so different. But no matter what it looks like for you this morning, what if Jesus is inviting you to take a new risk? What if Jesus is inviting you to crack open the door even just a little bit? Because it's Jesus himself who models how wise vulnerability is a pathway to these types of connections with our family and with our people. And so first I want us to take a minute to picture Jesus' family sitting around their kitchen table. And it might not be what you think. Jesus' family includes an adoptive dad who Jesus most likely grieved at a young age because we never hear about Joseph after Jesus is 12. Siblings who didn't share Jesus' full DNA and a mom who was pregnant with him as a teenager and who was taunted because she wasn't married. Jesus, the savior of the world, the Messiah, the one who came to restore connections, his family's complex, just like ours. And so no matter what your family looks like, all our families are so precious to Jesus. And we need our families. And sometimes we need boundaries with our families. But Jesus understands each and every complexity that comes with our families. And Jesus continues to model how wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection with our families and with our people too. 
And throughout the Gospels, we see how Jesus modeled this mindset as he courageously invites 12 young adults, his disciples, his people, to leave everything and follow him. Jesus creates moments for these people to be seen and known as they literally do life together, as they share meals together, ask questions about God together, and as they spend lots and lots of time traveling together. It's this group of people that Jesus chooses to share his whole self with. And even as Jesus performs miracles, feeds the five thousands, and heals diseases, it's these 12 friends that Jesus invites even closer. It's these friends who he invites to have an active role in his life and in his ministry. And then came Jesus' last full day on earth. And we find Jesus and 11 of these friends on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And listen to this. The Garden of Eden is where God designed connection. But the Garden of Gethsemane is, is where Jesus continues to restore connection. So we'll start reading in Mark 14, 32. This is what it says. They, Jesus and his disciples, went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Did you notice the different groups of people already in this verse? Jesus takes 11 friends into the garden with him, and then he takes Peter, James, and John even closer. It's like Jesus has his living room friends, and then Peter, James, and John were now invited into the kitchen. And then Jesus models what close connection looks like as he vulnerably asks his friends, stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here is the same word used for remain, meno, which means to stay close, both physically and relationally. And here at Orchard, we just spent a whole month talking about what it looks like to remain with God every day, and now Jesus is asking his three closest friends to remain with him, to stay close. And then Jesus says, keep watch. And the Greek word for, for keep watch means to give strict attention to, to be active, so Jesus is saying, don't give up on me, Peter, James, and John. Actively participate in this moment with me. You have an active role to play in my life right now. Jesus is sharing with Peter, James, and John, stay close and be active. Jesus is modeling for us that a major part of us being vulnerable and sharing our whole selves with others is staying close and being active and actively choosing to have a role in the lives of our family and our people. And it's really important for us to be clear here that Jesus is God, right? So Jesus didn't need these people to stay close and be active. But Jesus in his humanity wanted them to. Not only does Jesus choose and want his friends to stay close and be active, but in this moment of desperation, in one of the most vulnerable moments of his entire life, Jesus wants his father to stay close and be active too. Verse 35 continues, Jesus went a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, that the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus chooses to cry out to God, Abba, Father, Father. 
And Abba is the Aramaic word for Papa, a term of great intimate and affectionate respect. It's often the first word a child would utter, Abba, Papa, Father. Jesus in this moment is desperate for connection, desperate for his loving, childlike, closest connection with his father. And even though Jesus knew what was going to happen next, he still knew he could cry out, Abba, Father, Papa. And that's true for us too. And after Jesus prays this, he walks back to his disciples and he finds them asleep. Come on, guys, you had one job, stay awake. And they were sleeping. And in scripture, it's evident that Jesus doesn't hide his disappointment from his closest friends. The depth of rejection that Jesus must have felt must have been so painful. And this happens three more times. Three more times, Jesus takes the risk of vulnerability by asking his friends to stay close and be active, fully knowing they would disappoint him. And he keeps doing this over and over and over again. So why did Jesus keep taking the risk of vulnerability? His friends kept failing him. Why did he keep doing it? We don't know, but I think this is how Jesus is modeling for us how wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection. Jesus chose these friends to be with him in this moment. This moment, he wanted these people with him. Because Jesus knew his friends would disappoint him, and he knows that our families and our people will disappoint us too. But Jesus shows us that the risk is worth it. The risk is worth it to ask others to stay close and be active, and it's worth it to stay close and be active for others, because that's what we were designed for. And this is how our connections will be strengthened. And so how do we do this? How do we take the risk of vulnerability by asking others to stay close and be active for us? And how do we do that same for others? A few weeks ago, a friend texted in one of our group chats, anyone want to hang out tonight? And throughout the day, people responded, yep, me, I'm free. And then this friend shared that she asked to hang out because she was in desperate need for adult interaction to get out of her house and for someone else to hold her baby. It was as if in that first text, she was just cracking the door open to her living room saying, are you guys my people? And then she actually shared with us how we could stay close and be active with her. Staying close looked like her having the courage and the confidence to know that we were a text away and that she could actually share what she needed in that moment. And being active looked like us having an active role in her life by actually getting together and hanging out and eating pizza and having great conversations and taking turns holding that sweet little baby, literally doing life together, having an active role in each other's lives. When my friend sent that text, she took a risk of vulnerability. And the risk was worth it to ask us to stay close and to be active because it strengthened our connections and allowed everyone to experience being seen, known, and loved. And this is what we were designed for. To be honest, it almost felt like everyone was just waiting for someone to send the first text, right? And I think if we're honest, that's all of us. Often waiting for others to be vulnerable, for others to take the risk. And it's hard to want to be the one to initiate, especially after getting home after a long day, and all you want to do is get on your comfy clothes and turn on the TV. Trust me, I get it. But church, 
as we choose to stay close and be active with our family and with our people, we get the opportunity to be part of God's greater story of restoration, the restoration of connection. We are the ones that get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus by reminding others that this is what they were designed for, connection, to be seen, known, and loved. And so what does this look like for you? What does it look like for you to take the risk of vulnerability, to ask others to stay close and be active for you, and then to stay close and be active for others? For moms and dads and grandparents and caretakers in the room, maybe staying close and being active looks like being vulnerable in your marriage in a new way, or most honestly sharing how you uniquely feel seen, cared for, and loved. For the kids in the room, if you are 3 to 18 years old, go home and make a list of all the people that love you and know you and know that your people are doing the best they can to love you. They're doing their best, okay? Now also remember that God is always at your kitchen table, always offering you his friendship. For those who feel like you are figuring out who your kitchen and your living room friends are, that one random person who keeps coming to mind who could be one of those people, text them, call them up, reach out to them. God works in our brains in really powerful ways. And specifically to the young adult guys in the room, friendships really matter, and this is for you too. For those in the room who might be like me, who are constantly carrying the fear of rejection when we fear choosing vulnerability with someone who's in a different season of life than us, the risk is worth it. I can't tell you how much it means to me to be part and have an active role in the lives of my friends and their kids. It really matters to me. All of the seasons of life that are, that are in this room really matter. And so whether you're part of a family or you're married or you're dating or you're single, let's keep doing life together. Let's keep choosing each other in our living rooms and our kitchens. Let's just keep doing life together like Jesus modeled with his disciples. And so today, I encourage you when you go home to write down and answer these questions. Who are your two to three people? Who are your 12 to 15 people in your living room? And then who is someone, maybe from another stage of life, that you can invite into this space with you? What does it look like for you to just take one small risk of vulnerability to make the intentional and courageous choice to share your whole self with others by staying close and being active? Wise vulnerability is a pathway to close connection. This is how God designed us. And this is the story of Jesus. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are so close, that you are our closest friend. God, we just thank you that this is how you designed us for relationship, for connection with you and with each other. God, so today, would you just help us do that? Would you bring people to mind that you want us to connect with, to know, to love? God, and would we feel loved and known by those around us? God, I just thank you for your story, that your whole story is about connection from the beginning until now. Jesus, we just thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection and that, yeah, your whole story is about relationship with us. God, thank you that you love us because you love us because you love us because you love us. Jesus, we love you. Help us sing these promises together. In your holy name, amen.